It's Reformation season. We know we're not saved by our works, but do our good works earn us anything? The Bible talks about being rewarded. What do we have to wait for? What are we looking forward for in heaven? This is Consider It, where we're considering questions regarding life, theology, and the church. Consider It is a ministry of Redemption Bible Church here in New Braunfels, Texas. Do you have questions regarding life, theology, or the church? If so, text the word redemption and your question to 474747 and we'll consider your questions. To learn more about our church and everything we're doing here, visit redemption.bible. I'm Aaron Orozco. And I'm Blair Cushman. Let's consider it. Hey guys, thanks for joining us today on Consider It. Today we have a bit of a different episode. Uh, I just want to introduce to you guys Mike Carroll. He's here with us today. He's uh, Him and his wife Jerry have been coming to Redemption for a while now. They they love the Lord. They're students of the Word. And, and Mike, just like uh, several of the guys at Redemption, uh, has some um, seminary training. And it's just a pleasure to have him on and to be able to... Uh, to tackle this question that was submitted, that's more of a, a theological one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Mike, why don't you just say hi to to the listeners? Hey, guys! Thanks for <laughs> inviting me here to join you. Yeah, for sure. We're, it's super awesome to have him. Um, he, you know, being in your being in small group with you has been just such an uh, awesome privilege, and I love all your input. And I'm glad to have you on today with with Blair and I. Right? That's right. That's right. It's always good to have a different voice, and, and so people don't just have to listen to you and I talk all the time. But um, we've got uh, got others, that, like Aaron said, in our church that love the Lord and love the Word, and uh, are uh, um, good students of it. And so I look forward to our discussion uh, on today's question, uh, which uh, which is a good one. Yeah. Speaking of the question, let's. Let's read it. It says, I am a firm believer that salvation is by grace and faith alone. Amen. Mm. And as, as I have matured in my faith, I have come to understand that I am saved to works and not by them. With that stated in Matthew six nineteen through 21, Christ clearly indicates that there will be treasure in heaven. Is there any biblical indication to what those treasures will be? How would one go about earning those treasures in this life? in a God-fearing and honoring way. Woo! Yeah, there's a lot there. That's, there's like a <laughs> multiple questions in there, but uh, but again, you know, we've said this on other podcasts. I love when we get questions submitted like this because it shows that our listeners are reading the Word of God. And, uh, and as they're reading it, they want to really understand what is the Bible talking about? In this case, what is Jesus talking about? And we don't want to, you know, just kind of, we can read over these things. Well, what are treasures? And, and there's a lot of confusion as to like what, what our rewards are. What but uh, like right. why do we work? And mm-hmm. I love how the question submitted, it shows that we're not uh, saved by our works, but we're saved to good works. Right. And uh, that's right. a very important distinction for Christians to get right, that uh, w- the, the good things that we're doing don't earn us anything. For um, sure. Uh, as, as, as far as like earning us to our salvation. Yeah. And yet they do seem to indicate that we are rewarded for how we live our life, yeah, yeah? Right. and uh, and that's an important thing. Um, really, uh, an eternal 
uh, difference in there because if we get this wrong, there, there's some eternal consequences if we um, if we mistake uh, what it is that our, our our good works do for us. And so, why don't I just uh, read the passage since it was referred to in here, and we don't uh, you may not be familiar with what Matthew six is referring to, and then uh, let's tackle these questions and and see what we can't. Uh, what we can't come to from the scripture. So Matthew 6, 19 to 21, that was referred to in the question says this. Uh, it says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And again, that's Matthew 6, 19 through 21. And so, uh, great passage, uh, great questions here as we think through it. And I think probably for uh, the sake of tackling the question and, and uh, taking content, it might be helpful to think about it in, in kind of two parts, right? When we right. think about the, the scriptures teaching on what rewards are, um, there's uh, there's the side of, of judgment. Mm-hmm. And being judged for what we didn't do or bad things, um, but also then the second, what then our rewards. And so, yeah. um, so Mike, you're a student of God's word. You've uh, put a lot of time and thought into this question. And uh, although I don't think you submitted it, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, um, and so um, we know that we're saved by grace we're saved through faith and yet there's this uh, um, this parallel truth to uh, judgment and so um, help us think through that when you think of like what is, what does the Bible kind of teach about judgment how are we to think about that as believers who are saved yeah that's it's it's a great start Blair because obviously the Lord cannot reward us unless he has actually, seen us in service, right. beheld our walk of faith, and made some sort of judgment about the quality of our walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so judgment as a whole should not be um, a perilous idea, but that certainly is the, the overarching uh, kind of impression we get. As yeah. we read through the Bible, judgment has this, this pretty dark and... Uh, and kind of harrowing end right. uh, in, right. before us, uh, and yet judgment is really what is that? It's mm. really about assessing mm. and yeah. weighing the quality. Mm. And, mm. and so I think that I think at the very start, as you've suggested, we should have that in mind. That there's it's more than just uh, a punitive element to judgment, but it's more of weighing the quality. Yeah, yeah. that's a great so. way to think of it. You know, like we are making a judgment when I weigh out the coffee beans in the morning when I'm making my coffee, <laughs> yeah. right? I'm assessing the weight yeah. of, of the, the quality, the measurement of these of these beans, so to speak. Right. And that's a good thing, uh, by the way, not, right. a, not a perilous thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, think, I think sometimes we think judgment and we always think this negative connotation where it's an assessment, right? Like yeah. we've been saying, right. there's, yeah. we're going to see what, you know, what what is the reward or what is the consequence based on on our life that's right that's right and we think of like the the negative consequences mm-hmm. for being judged the yeah. punishment side of it versus uh you know the more rewarding side and so that's 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 some good thoughts and so what a uh, you know so when we we think about that so then like where where in the scripture do we see this you know what's uh 
where do we go for for these kind of biblical ideas? Right. You know, we're we're exchanging ideas about what judgment really is, and we're trying to keep this broad, open-minded attitude toward it. But we do need to make sure we consider what the Bible actually says. Right. Uh, yeah. There, there are three key verses hmm. uh, in Scripture that help us to understand the the judgment. Of believers, and that's yeah. really what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We could look at judgment in a really broad brush and consider how judgment is is discussed throughout Scripture. But really, our topic today is how does the judgment of believers uh, play out uh, according to the Bible? So, that's right. so we have three texts actually. Um, I, why don't we just walk through each one? Sure, sure. Uh, let me just uh, start with the first uh, Romans chapter fourteen. Mm-hmm. Verses 10 through 14. I'll just read it and then we can proceed from there. Or perhaps one of you would like to read it. Do you care? I can just yeah, jump right ahead. in. Yeah, yeah go, for it, go for it. Go ahead. <laughs> why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment as um, on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Hmm. That's good. That's Romans 14, 10 through 14, if you want to look that up on your own in your own time. But that's a good passage. It, it is. But, I mean, other than the reference to the judgment of God, it's it seems a little bit nebulous in terms of what is actually being discussed here. Paul, this is the Apostle Paul talking, and uh, you have to take a step back from these verses and and get a sense of the context. If you look at Romans fourteen as a whole, you see that what Paul is discussing is not how are we going to be judged according to objective mandates of Scripture. But indeed, how are we to conduct ourselves in matters of conscience? When yeah. Scripture doesn't give a specific command or prohibition, mm. how are we to live in such a way that we're acting uh, in a way that is befitting of the Lord and according to a clean conscience? Yeah. So in that context, we can read back on those verses, and we don't need to do that now, but I would suggest that any student would read these verses in light of the broader context, which is really our freedom in Christ. How do we live with a clear conscience and with each other in peace and yeah. an edifying way? Right, right. And that's like the knowing that we will stand before the judgment seat of God is what motivates us then to uh, to judge or examine or assess our own decisions, our own convictions about the way that we are living in a God-honoring way. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. If you and I are contemplating a certain action or opportunity in life, and there's the scripture is basically silent on it. We're yeah. left with our own conscience and judgment to determine whether we should proceed or how we should proceed. And you and I might not agree. It's a right. matter of conscience such that we might not see eye to eye. Right. But we cannot be in a position to be judging each other on matters of conscience. We need to learn to live with each other, not present a stumbling block to each other, right. but through that 
uh, pursuit of peace and edification and living with a clear conscience, find a way to live together and to encourage each other along that way. That's right. That's right. And that's a that's a that's a tall order. Yeah. Um, but it is what uh, is required of us to live in unity. That's right. As uh, as believers, and so that's a good good uh, good passage. Romans fourteen. You said there's a couple others that are. Uh, th- there are. Let me see here. I, I believe uh, the second one was in Second Corinthians, uh, chapter five. Mm-hmm. So Paul is describing our life here as well. When we're here on earth, we are at home in the body, he says. Let me just read it uh, as a way he says, it's at home in the body, but away from the Lord is how he describes our earthly life. And then Mm -hmm. he says, when we die, we will be away from the body, Mm -hmm. but at home with the Lord. So again, this is the backdrop to what he's about to uh, discuss about judgment. In chapter five, verses nine and 10, he says, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Yeah. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that mm. each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a this is a tough point here. I I'm reading from the ESV Bible and which is an exceptional translation. But uh, sometimes you run into a rendering of the text that leaves you kind of wondering, mm, how do I, am I supposed to understand that? And the ESV presents a very difficult reading when it, when it describes um, the judgment of Christ as whether our works were good or evil. Yeah. Um, if you take a step back, you take a look at how Paul's actually uh, discussing uh, his point, a better rendering, which you find in the New American Standard, is whether our works were um, good or bad, or bad. Um, a more generic idea of not so much was it were your uh, works morally good or morally evil, but whether your life was worthwhile or mm. worthless, mm. Mm. and that puts a completely different light on yeah. on what Paul is saying. Yeah. So think of it this way: when the Lord weighs our lives, uh, when all of our years of walking with Him are are culminated. And we're finally before the Lord for that judgment of believers. The question is, not is he going to look at us as whether we're morally good or evil, but whether our lives amounted to anything other than trivial, uh, meaningless kinds of pursuits that didn't contribute to the kingdom, that were maybe motivated out of uh, selfish motives, Mm. uh, driven by uh, desires that had nothing to do with seeking the kingdom, and his righteousness and building into the church. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's why I like how you even described it there as like a life that is worthwhile or worthless. Yes. You know, did did we make our life count? Yeah. And that's like a motivating factor. Was our life all about me, you know, um, about my own gain? Right. Or was it about uh, eternal gains? Was it for the Lord's sake and making those kind of investments with our life, if you will, uh, right. that, that matter? Uh, in a you know in a in a godly sense and uh, and that's that's what he's really getting at here and 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 even the call of Christ when he calls right. tells us to deny ourselves take up our cross and follow me like what does it gain mm-hmm. you if you you gain the world but lose your soul and uh, uh, you know just that uh, that kind of mentality as a believer like what are we doing with our life you know what are we what are, are we making a count or are we just 
yeah. living for ourselves. Yeah, and I'm, what comes to mind is is that idea of stewardship, you know. And, and Blair, you kind of we we heard that in the sermon this past week of you know God has given us uh, gifts, and you know as Christians as believers, He's given us new life, and what are we doing with that, right? Like, yeah. and at the end, I think you know, Mike, like what you just read, are at the end is he going to look at our lives and see that we made gospel investments or did we just kind of you know say sweet we're saved and kind of just live in this uh comfortable you know yeah position for my sake for my own my own worth yeah and that's uh that's scary yeah because we have to give an account for that as we've just seen it is if i may offer just a a practical example of how this works out because our tendency is to think, well, gee, I need to go to the mission field. I need to serve the Lord out and, mm-hmm. you know, right. re- uh, reaching people who don't know the Lord. And that is not at all what Paul is saying here is that the culmination of our life, whether it's worthless or worthwhile, has more to do with what is happening from the inside out. Amen. Uh, an example would be in parenting. I can be a parent who is training my children, but if I am calling them to a standard, but it's out of uh, a sense of personal convenience because I don't want to be embarrassed out in public when they misbehave, when I have some sort of personal obsession about standards that have nothing to do with really right and wrong, but just uh, arbitrary standards that I've imposed on my children, and I haven't even explained to them the moral reason why. Yeah, yeah. That is completely different than a parent who is understanding the child, mm. approaching them with a sense of grace and mercy, training their ch- training their children's hearts. Right. Helping yeah. them to understand why they're they're held to a certain standard and and the benefits or the the blessings that come from certain kinds of behavior. Right. There's there's a completely different focus there. One is uh, selfishly motivated, out of out of fear, out of uh, ill motives. Yeah. One is looking ahead to how the the fruit of righteousness can be born in that child's life through proper discipline and training. Mm. Yeah. There's a great example of right. how one is a worthless pursuit and the yeah. other is worthwhile. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I love that. And I think that's a great reminder for us mm. um, and a good clarification yeah. um, about what a life that is worthwhile and honoring to the Lord really looks like. And so right. there's lots of applications there. Yeah. You said there's a third uh, passage. Which, yeah. Uh, and it out. really comes on the heels of our discussion here. If we would uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter thir- 3, verses 11 through 15. Uh, does anyone have that? I can read that if yeah, you Yeah, I got know. it right here. It sure. says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has mm. done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. That's 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. Right. I think that you just, you know, you it, it speaks for itself, I think, but on the heels of how we've been discussing the nature of judgment and the nature of how God is looking for uh, worthwhile uh, uh pure motivated kinds of actions in our lives. What what we have here in summation in 1 Corinthians 3 is that, yes, we as believers aren't going to encounter the risen Lord. We're going to yeah. appear before the judgment seat. We mm-hmm. will be assessed. Yeah. But the point is that it's not for condemnation. It is for commendation. There will be mm-hmm. a reward for us. Mm-hmm. The nature of that reward, 
Mm, that's a question still to be answered. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. that's really like the second part, right? Right. Yeah. And and so uh, let's just uh, uh, kind of real briefly, and then we can move to the nature of rewards. But something that we saw in those passages was this: the judgment seat of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, we see that here. Maybe there's some confusion about it. I think you, you made a helpful distinction of uh, that. Uh, it's not necessarily for uh, condemnation, for but for commendation, and right. uh, that even though those are very close and maybe a tongue twister to try to say them <laughs> together. Um, but uh, just, Mike, how would you summarize that? Like what, when when we hear the word judgment seat of Christ, how should we think about that? What is that? Yeah, know? that's a good question. You know, the the word, and I'm going to refer to it in the Greek because it, it's, it's helpful to get away from the term judgment seat sure. and to think, think of it the way it's actually spoken by the New Testament church. It's called the Bema. Mm-hmm. And the Bema was not an actual seat. It was actually a raised platform. Mm-hmm. And you'll, you'll see this in our own society today. Uh, if you go into a courtroom, you'll see at the front, you'll see a judge who is up on a, a raised platform. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the bench, if you will, is actually elevated above the rest of the room. And one of the uh, phrases we have in today's society is that the, the judge hands down the judgment from on high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That whole expression is reflective of the fact that that raised platform is where that position of authority is located. Yeah, and and so that's a, a great image of of there we are in humble uh, submittal, submitted status uh, before the judge. We're waiting for the verdict. Yeah, and it kind of gives, kind of makes me uh, knock my knees together when I think of being <laughs> right. in that position. Right. I don't like that image. So the bema is this raised platform. But, and that's not the only uh, vestige that we see in society today. Yeah. We have that race platform, we have positions of honor authority, but there is also a very, very powerful image that comes to us in a four year cycles. And that mm. is during the Olympic Games. Mm. Right. And we watched these uh, athletes in all these different sports. And at the end of each competition, the, the winners, the top three winners, are awarded with the gold, silver, and bronze medals. Right. right. What do they do? They stand before a platform. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes time to re- present those medals, yeah. they step up off the ground onto this raised platform to a position of honor, and they receive their reward. That's right. Mm. And yeah. this is precisely the Bema that... Uh, Paul has in mind when he's referring to it uh, in Scripture, and he doesn't actually refer to judgment seat in this text. I want to read this text for you. But this is the image that we should have in mind when we think of believers standing before the Bema, Hmm. before their Lord, ready to receive what he has brought for them. So this is uh, from 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24-25. Let me just read this for you. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete? but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, Hmm. but we an imperishable. Yeah. That's the Bema. Paul is describing the awarding of honor 
which takes place at the Bema. Yeah, that's awesome. Isn't that a great uh, picture? Yeah. yeah. Even this week, I was at my son's school for the awards ceremony. <laughs> yeah, for their those that got all A's, others that were leaders in their their uh, classroom, and for other various things that the school decided to award kids. And it was that same image. We were all gathered in the you know the cafetorium, and there's a stage there, and they would uh, when their name was called, they would ascend those stairs and receive their medal, receive their reward for the work that they had done uh, that, uh, um, you know, that, I guess the court, those first nine weeks or whatever it was. And the principal, the assistant principal were there to yes. uh, bestow the honor upon them. And uh, we all, like proud parents, were there clapping and, <laughs> and everything else. So, but... Well, yeah, and it's an interesting picture, and it's a really helpful one that you you kind of contrasted because the one you know the one in front of the judge, you have this like nervous, almost fearful you know feeling, uh, and so it, you almost think like we're we're living life in this scared to do the wrong thing. Where if you you know in this picture where you think of the reward, now my motivation to live is very different. You right. know, I'm running hard. I'm I'm like excited and i'm motivated to, to looking forward to being on that and and seeing god uh re, to see my reward you know it's yes. very different yeah, very, it's very very much very so different. Don't, don't we want to be like the children you were just describing blair eager to receive yeah, that special exactly prize right. and that's how we should live our life when we're right. living uh faithful god-honoring obedient lives we, we don't have to fear mm-hmm. going before you know, right. the judge, before the king, before our authority, because uh, we know we're not there on our own merits anyways. You know, right. We're only here because of what Christ has done. That's right. And now it's just like, hey, I'm not supposed to be here, but I've done this and I can't wait to like come before you, um, not in a prideful, not in a boastful way, but in a Christ-honoring way yeah. um, so we can receive that wreath that was referred to in 1 Corinthians 9 that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's actually a great passage that I think is a good segue to the second part. You know, as we talk about, well, then what are those rewards? Because here it seems to talk about one, this yes. imperishable yeah. wreath. And so now that we kind of have some clarity, I hope, on what, you know, judgment is or is not, the bema, this, uh, uh, the rewarding of a believer's good works, the commendation, well, what is like as we think about what the scripture teaches on then our rewards? It often does talk about wreaths or crowns, and and so how are we to how are we to think about this? What does the Bible teach about it? What is rewarded? I mean, there's a lot of questions, and uh, that kind of go with even the the questions that were submitted. But what sure. are those treasures? Like, what yeah. does the scripture teach on that? Well, well, let me just first let me start with uh, Revelation twenty two twelve, mm-hmm. so we understand that. Who's actually involved in this rewarding uh, event? This is actually Jesus speaking here. It says, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. So this is is the key idea in the New Testament, which helps us to understand that Jesus is going to reward his his followers. So with that in mind, the question you're posing really is important to address. What are these rewards? Mm-hmm. And these ideas of wreaths and, and crowns, they're, they're pervasive in Scripture. And it's, it's helpful to, to realize that those rewards are coming. But I think we really have to, when we read particularly about crowns, I think we really need to get, take each text 
in context and understand what is being said here. And, and I don't think we need to go through uh, each of those verses, but uh, I guess maybe I could just cite the verse sure. and, yeah, and yeah, what yeah, yeah. the yeah. crown is there. So we, we did read about the, the imperishable wreath from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verses 24 and 25. We also read of a crown of righteousness in 2 Timothy 4, 8. There's a crown of life referenced in James 1.12 as well as in Revelation 2.10. There's a crown of glory uh, mentioned in 1 Peter 5.4. And there's a crown of rejoicing in 1 Thessalonians 2.19. Hmm. So it, there are some traditions who actually take those at, at face value and say, well, those are the crowns we should yeah. be getting ready to, to earn. Hmm. And I appreciate that. The motivation. Yeah. I appreciate the fact that there are believers who want to want to present themselves before the Lord. They want to be pleasing, and they want to actually uh, have their lives that count for something. But yeah. these particular references to crowns are really just kind of a fancy way of referring to the attribute that is described uh, next in them. The crown of righteousness is actually righteousness. Yeah. When when. Uh, James refers to the crown of life. He's speaking of life. Yeah. Hmm. It's just a way of enhancing the yeah. way you present that trait. Yeah. The crown of glory is actually glory. Peter is referring to that glorified um, state uh, that we will actually finally achieve in the resurrection. And the yeah. crown of rejoicing is, in fact, just that. It's rejoicing. That's what comes in the culmination of our, mm-hmm. of our salvation when we're finally with the Lord. So we don't want to think about crowns as specific kind of collectible uh, trinkets right. that that we earn in, for right. heaven, heavenly rewards. That's not what the what the writers of the New Testament had in mind at all. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Which is good because it's like that's not what our treasures are. We're not like after these physical, you know, material yeah. things that we're collecting and you know wearing on our head or adorning like that. That just would miss the whole like point like uh, of our Christian life. And then that doesn't necessarily somehow change when we get to heaven. And now all of a sudden, okay, it's good to have all these material possessions, but no, we're after actually something much more uh, something better you know he calls it uh, even in first peter 5 that he says the unfading crown of glory yes yeah. which is yes. uh yes yeah, so it's it's it seems like they're they're these just literary devices for characterizing what almost heaven's going to be like right? right like this this place where there's no more death there's no more sin we're in our glorified we're in our glorified state and and we're rejoicing just worshiping the lord right amen for, it's for, a very good question yeah we have this reference to treasures yeah so you can't exactly ignore the language here right, right. what 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 are these treasures right. what, what is uh, what is jesus actually referring to so again as being a good student of the bible we yeah. we read a verse like this from matthew 6 and we ask ourselves so what is the broader context what is jesus referring to and if you look at Matthew 6 as a whole, you realize that he's, he's discussing righteousness in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. He's not talking about just collecting something, but he's yeah. talking about the way we are to live um, as followers. So he's asking two things. First of all, wh- who are you trying to please? Are you trying mm-hmm. to please man or God? And where is your hope? Where are you bent? Are you bent mm. toward the world or are you bent toward the Lord? Mm. And with, when you think of those questions, you realize that when he talks about uh, pursuing treasures, he's really talking about the inclination of your heart. Yeah. Where are where are your hopes? Where uh, in 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 whose righteousness? In whose uh, glory? In whose 
uh, authority? Are you resting your life in your future? Yeah, hmm. yeah, that's good. So that's I, good. I think it's important that, that really let's let's just let me just say this straight out. This the text here in Matthew six nineteen through twenty one is not calling us to seek rewards in heaven. It's calling us to repentance. It's calling everyone to look vertically to the Lord. Yeah, and to find their hope and to trust in Him alone. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. So we have this. Uh, this is our motivation. What, uh, what, what? Really, the call is in all these is not necessarily for the collection of trinkets, like you said, but uh, but it is a a um, a calling us to really question the motivations of our heart. Like, yeah. why is it that we are now living, especially right. now that we've been redeemed, we've been yes. given a new heart, we've been given a new purpose in life, we've now been given really a gospel motivation, a great commission motivation. Mm-hmm. Our life is no longer our own, and so why is it that we live, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, call the repenting of living for our own personal selfish gain, and uh, and then now, no, we are living uh, for for the Lord, and that's where our hope is, right. and that's what this call is beyond just, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> receiving some money that we have earned. You know, <laughs> well, I've worked my whole life now, Lord, and so I'm just laying up treasures in heaven. You know, yeah. and saying like, well, I'm not going to make much money now on this earth, but man, when I get to glory, I'll have a whole mansion and I'll be a eternal millionaire. Yeah. And it's like. I mean, I, I get the sentiment, and you know, it's, it's it's funny to joke about, I guess, <laughs> but uh, but that's not ne- necessarily what we're right. after. It's like there's some heavenly currency that God's going to you know repay us for. Yep, saw that work you did for me, and now it's like I th- I think it's actually a little bit deeper, a little bit bigger, a little bit actually, or a whole lot of bit better <laughs> right. than having a you know million bucks in our heavenly bank account. Yeah. So. That's good. That's good. So, so this is—I think this has been helpful, and I yeah. hope as uh, um, as we've gone through this kind of what the scripture is teaching. Like with most things, it's it's a hard issue. Like that's calling us, you know, mm. to uh, to 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 look and examine the motivations behind the things that we do and why we are are living. So let's just uh, recap this here. You yeah. know, can we just uh, we've gone through a lot. We've uh, we've we've kind of looked at uh, several scripture passages and so like, can you just kind of recap the kind of the teaching, the questions, the answers here um, for us. So uh, that way if someone's just here like here's some just nuggets, the bullet points okay. if you will. Yeah, sure. That's what it, we talked about. Yeah, you're right. We've talked about a lot so let's let's distill it down to the central truths that we've been able to to wrap our arms around first of all crowns um, are not special rewards for faithful service okay we've Mm -hmm. we've talked about what they are they're actually referred to in scripture um, um, when in scripture uh, they're they're being used to refer to the common blessings that we all have as Mm -hmm. believers our salvation comes for all of us, with uh, with righteousness, uh, with the promise of eternal life, uh, yeah. glory, and and the joy inexpressible that that awaits us, uh, treasures in heaven that those aren't special rewards either for godly living. The, mm. the treasures referred to in the text uh, of Matthew are the hopes and preoccupations of the heart, hmm. and so only by investing our hearts in the things above can we actually gain heaven itself. Yeah, and then finally, the rewards which Jesus promises upon his return. I got to tell you, they're not for us to know. That's right. <laughs> uh, the Lord, which uh, uh, he's going to uh, 
he's going to reward us. Uh, that's according to his will and his pleasure. That's right. And we need to, in faith, walk forward and await that reward at that's the right. time. I'm glad you said that because that kind of does go back to the original question that was submitted. It's like, can we know what they are? Right. And well, like, if well, you've been listening, really. yeah, if you've been listening now, it's kind of like, well, no, it's still kind of a mystery um, as to what maybe specifically, tangibly that they are. Yeah, so. and it, 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 it can maybe can be frustrating as well because it sounds like we keep kicking the can down the road right uh, because the, the 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 question really is one that you already posed blair well, why why have we been saved why what are we living for what's yeah. the purpose of our christian life now right yeah right yeah and i think that's that's really where the rubber meets the road for why we're going to get up in the morning every day yeah hmm. and say i'm going to follow the lord uh regardless yeah. Right. What happens today? Right. That's right. This is really. This is really gets to the, to the the core of our hearts as disciples, right? And whether we're prepared to live, um, like Jesus, hmm. and and really that's really what we're called to. Um, I, I guess I would like to just direct direct our attention to one verse of scripture. Yeah. If you look at Romans chapter eight, and this is a very familiar text to, to folks, but it offers a very compelling picture of why we walk as Christians today, the whole purpose that God saved us in the first place. Mm-hmm. So let me direct you first to verse 28. Maybe, maybe why don't you just read verse 28, see what it says here. Um, it's for we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. That's right. We are called according to God's purpose. God chose us for a reason. And so, obviously, he wants that purpose to be fulfilled. Hmm. Well, what is that purpose? It comes in the next verse. Go ahead and read that one. Uh, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's right. Those he formed, foreknew, meaning all believers, he also predestined. It means he were they were purposefully chosen. So all believers have been purposefully chosen. Hmm. In order to be conformed to the image of his son, in order to be just like the son. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're like me, you look in the mirror and you say, "There's nothing like that." <laughs> I'm right. not seeing anyone uh, in my life who looks like Christ. Yeah. But God saved us to make us just like Christ. Mm-hmm. That is the whole reason. Yeah. And so, if Christ likeness is God's goal for us, the obvious question then is, why isn't it my goal? Right. Yeah. Why am I chasing after mm-hmm. everything else? But conforming to the image of Christ, hmm. yeah, that should be our single-minded devotion to yeah. be like our Savior. Yeah, and you know, and this is this is not an easy task. I mean, we're not talking about just speaking nicely to our neighbors. the The Lord and Savior was the one who said no to sin at every turn in His hmm. life. Yeah, He knew His Bible thoroughly. Uh, he you know, he could quote scripture <laughs> at, at the drop of that. He knew how to apply it yeah. at every in every context in his life. He prayed with fervor and power, at great intimacy with the Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. Um, he was uh, infinitely discerning and wise, which is why the uh, the Gospels are so potent as, yeah. as teaching tools for us today. He walked in very close intimate fellowship with the Father. So this is what our life should be as well. Yeah. And so, like I said, that doesn't sound like my life when I reflect on it, and yet I've got to admit the fact that this is exactly what God calls me to. Right. 
So I've got to ask myself, well, what are my priorities? What am I doing with my life? Where is my single-minded focus? It's probably on something other than conforming to the image of Christ. But yeah. that's ultimately what we should be asking ourselves. That's right. That's right. That's our mm. call. That's what we're to uh, right. devote ourselves to. That's what we're straining for. That's what we are uh, headed towards uh, in uh, uh, in this life and living a living a life that is increasingly growing in our love and devotion and commitment uh, to the Lord. Where. Uh, though our uh, ability to sin remains, our propensities are decreasing, yes. right. and our affections for Christ mm-hmm. are increasing, and we're gaining victory uh, over sin and uh, and and uh, and gaining greater uh, love for the Lord and devotion to the Lord, and uh, personally and corporately, as uh, we are maturing in christ and so that's really what life is about right it's like what we're what we're heading towards and uh not for our sake per se but uh for god's greater glory right 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 you know you know and obviously christ is our ideal standard that we're we're trying to reach uh there's a there's a really excellent earthly example that we can follow and that is the apostle paul and Mm -hmm. he is throughout the new testament he wrote half of the half of the new testament (laughs) so he has revealed himself thoroughly right. in the scriptures. I want, I want to just read from uh, Philippians chapter 3. This is Paul kind of laying out how he lives, yeah. uh, why he lives. So Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14. He says, Not that I have already obtained or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize. Catch that. The prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So so what is Paul saying here? First of all, he's saying, I'm not perfect in Christ. I'm nowhere near that yet. But that's my goal. I press on toward that to lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ. There's that purpose that God has had for me. Mm-hmm. If God's purpose is to make me like Christ, then that should be mine as well. Right. In other words, Christ's goal for me should be my goal as well. That's right. So God's purpose in saving me is going to be my purpose. But I haven't laid hold of it yet. Yet I still sin. I still fail. I'm still weak. I still have to come back to the Lord running again and again for help, for strength, because I'm just, I haven't arrived. But one thing I do, he says, one thing. And there's that single-minded devotion. Paul says, I forget what lies behind, and that is so important. Mm -hmm. I don't care whether you're a new believer or you've been walking with the Lord for 40 years. Yesterday doesn't matter. You need to put it behind you. We confess our sins, we are cleansed of it, and we move on. That's right. And yesterday or yesteryear, it doesn't matter. We can't look back. And we reach forward to what lies ahead. And what is that? to be like Christ. So I think Paul provides a great example. He was he was obviously uh, very mature in his walk and yet he readily acknowledged right. uh, his weakness and we see great examples of some of his sin uh, in in the course of his his walk as well and yet he continued to pursue that like-minded uh, goal of being like Christ. That's right. That's right. 
this is a this is what our daily life is about you know yep. that word sanctification that we talked about of uh, becoming what we uh, already are through our justification but that's why we work it's why we live it's why we uh, press on and yep. uh, we don't uh, live in the you know the glory days so to speak whether they are you know uh, remembering our sinful days or even right. even past days where we were following the Christ or following Christ wholeheartedly that's right but we are always growing, always progressing, one foot in front of the other, eyes fixed on Christ, and that's why we—that's why we live, that's why we work, that's why we worship, uh, that's why we look forward uh, to that day, right? And even as we think of like our rewards, crowns, what's coming, that's our motivation, yep. right? That's, that's right. what keeps us going, what gets us out of bed uh, in in the morning, knowing that our master's coming back, right? Yes. Excuse me. <clears throat> yeah, there's there's a text that refers to uh, our master coming back. Mm. Um, let me just uh, direct you to First Thessalonians chapter four, verses sixteen and seventeen. Mm. It reads, "For the Lord Himself, with a shout, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up." in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Yeah. This is supposed to be a word of comfort for us. That's right. We are not stuck here on earth, and even though we are promised tremendous blessings to come, uh, we are indeed day by day from the inside out. We are being changed as we submit to the Lord's authority, as we submit to his commands, as we wrestle with our sin, as we do not allow today to be uh, to, to settle with mediocrity and with just uh, 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 just uh, getting through yeah. the day when when we when we commit ourselves to pursuing the Lord with our whole heart. I think that's when we can look ahead to that day when Christ calls us. We can look away, look ahead with a true anticipation and a true sense that the Lord will be waiting for me. And there's no reason for us to think of the future as anything other that's than right. that blessed reunion with our master. That's right. It's it's an exciting day that we look forward to in the same way that we anticipate a, a holiday coming up with family joining us, those that we haven't seen in a long time. Um, we who are believers with uh, a even greater anticipation look forward to the day when the Lord will uh, either return in the air with that trumpet sound that we long to hear or he calls us uh, home uh, through death and uh, we look forward forward right. to that blessed day and that's what motivates us to live and to work Absolutely. now for the Lord to Amen. continue growing in our faith and uh, um, to where we then uh, get to be with Christ and experience these things in uh, with great joy you know with the rewarding of our faith and so um, what a great uh, study what a great uh, uh, conversation and I hope you've uh, found it helpful uh, today as you've maybe been thinking about these things and what does the Bible teach on it I know we 
we've covered a lot of scripture. And so, uh, Mike, I just, as we uh, bring this to a close, want to uh, really say thank you. Uh, thanks a lot oh, of this. Yeah, man, uh, thanks. For the, thank you for including me. Um, from the fruit of your study and, and, and all that. And if you've been listening, maybe you're driving in your car and you didn't have time to write these all down and you don't want to go back and, and listen to it all again, uh, would you just, you can shoot us a text or, um, or contact us at the church and we'd love to just, uh, we can send you a, a document that right. uh, has a, a, just a, a concise, uh, written out biblical theology of these things with the verses that we've referenced. And uh, we could love to share that with you just as our gift to you and, and, uh, and hopefully that'll fuel your study and your growth in the Lord. So just reach out to us and we'll get that to you. But we look forward uh, with great joy uh, to that day and uh, and what a joy it is now to follow Christ. And so again, Mike, thank you, Aaron. What a, what a great uh, question yep. we had uh, submitted and answered. And so look forward to our next episode on Consider It. Well, thanks for tuning in to Consider It, a ministry of Redemption Bible Church here in New Braunfels, Texas, where we are taking on questions regarding life, theology, and the church. If you'd like to submit a question, text the word redemption and your question to 474747. If you'd like to learn more about our church, visit us at redemption.bible. We thank you for your support in listening, and we hope you'll join us next week as we